This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. The problem with Mark's gospel, there's just too much great stuff in it. <laughs> and... Um, and this month we're, uh, well, we're nearly at the end, aren't we? But, but the, the focus is Mark's chapters 4, 5, and 6. And uh, Rich did a great job a week or two ago, I think, of last week, of, of going through various um, features of those three chapters. I just want to focus this morning on a fantastic story of two miracles that sort of happened back to back. It's like a story within a story. And it's in Mark 5, verses 20, uh, 21, 22 onwards to Mark 5, um, the end, 42, 43. Okay, so Mark 5. Does anybody have a, um, a copy of the Message Bible with them today? An actual Bible. <laughs> See, I already have an, I have an offer of an iPad version, but I'd love to read it from a proper Bible. Thanks, Neil. Thank you very much. Oh, it's pink. That's good. Is this yours, Neil? Okay. So I'm going to read uh, Mark 5. Um, various titles in, um, in the, uh, the home, and it, it, the title is a, a Girl Restored and a Woman Healed. I think in the NIV it says a dead girl and a sick woman. I prefer um, the Holman one. Um, In the New Living it says Jesus heals in response to faith. That's a good title. Um, But I want to call call this this morning A Tale of Two Daughters. And we'll read it, uh, I'll read it from the Holman and then from, from Neil's pink message Bible. I love looking at other people's Bibles and looking at the notes they've got in them and the... uh, I'm not going to do that. That would be very rude. Okay, so let's read first of all from the Holman. Um, When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet And kept begging him, my little daughter is at death's door. Come and lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. And a woman, suffering from bleeding for 12 years, had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe, for she said, if I can just touch his robes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. At once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and he said, who touched my robes? 
His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you and you say, who touched me? So he was looking around to see who'd done this. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? But when Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John. Uh, sorry, Peter, James, and John, James's brother. And they came to the leader's house, and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And he went in and he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but asleep. And they started laughing at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him, which is Peter, James, and John, and he entered the place where the child was. And then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kuhn, which is translated little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and said that she should be given something to eat. Now let me find the story in uh, Mark. There's a great line in this. You'll love it. <laughs> Especially if you've got something, something in the slow cooker back home. After Jesus crossed over by boat, a large crowd met him at the seaside. And one of the meeting place leaders named Jairus came. When he saw Jesus, he fell to his knees beside himself as he begged, My dear daughter is at death's door. Come and lay hands on her so she will get well and live. And Jesus went with him in the whole crowd, tagging along, pushing and jostling him. A woman who'd suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years, a long succession of physicians, had treated her and treated her badly, taking all her money and leaving her worse off than before, had heard about Jesus. She slipped in from behind and touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, if I can put a finger on his robe, I can get well. And the moment she did it, the flow of blood dried up and she could feel the change and knew her plague was over and done with. At the same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from him. And he turned around to the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples said, what are you talking about? With the crowd pushing and jostling you, you're asking who touched me? Dozens have touched you. But he went on asking, looking around to see who'd done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling, knelt before him and gave him the whole story. And Jesus said to her, daughter, you took a risk of faith and now you're healed and whole. Live well. Live blessed. Be healed of your plague. While he was still talking, some people came from the leader's house and told him, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Jesus overheard what they were talking about and said to the leader, don't listen to them, just trust me. He permitted no one to go in with him except Peter, James, and John. And they entered the leader's house and pushed their way through the gossips looking for, for a story and the neighbors bringing in casseroles. 
Jesus was abrupt. Why all this busybody grief and gossip? The child isn't dead, she's sleeping. Provoked to sarcasm, they told him he didn't know what he was talking about. But when he'd sent them all out, he took the child's father and mother along with his companions and entered the child's room. He clasped the girl's hand and said, Talithakuam, which means little girl, get up. And at that, she was up and walking around. This girl was 12 years of age. They, of course, were all besides themselves with joy. He gave them strict orders that no one was to know what had taken place in that room. And then he said, give her something to eat. Amen. Thanks, Neil. I'm going to assume it's pennies. Thank you very much. It's a great story. It's a great, great um, miracle in a miracle. Story in a story. Healing, dramatic event in, an, in this fantastic encounter. And, um, and what we have here are two daughters. You saw that. Uh, one is a 12-year-old girl. The other is a woman with a 12-year-old condition. One, if you like, has been living 12 years. The other has been dying for 12 years yeah. as her blood flows out of her. And I think there's some great things we can take from this story that are so relevant for us today. The first is this. There is a vast crowd of ordinary people who are very interested in Jesus. Do you notice it says in, in verse 21, a large crowd had gathered. And again in verse 24, a large crowd followed him. In Luke's, um, in Luke's account, in the, the old NLT, it says on the other side of the lake, the crowds received Jesus with open arms because they'd been waiting for him. I truly believe that all around us are thousands of people who are seriously, really open to Jesus. They're ready to have their faith stirred. They're ready to be provoked and stirred, and they're just waiting to see him and hear him. And that's what it says of these two, uh, these two principal characters, well, the, 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 the father, Jairus, it says, when he saw Jesus, it says of the woman, um, she'd having heard about Jesus. You see, seeing Jesus sparks faith in people, doesn't it? Seeing Jesus at work in us sparks faith in others. And hearing about him triggers a desire for him. The man says, please come and put your hands on us so she will be healed and live. This, this man has supreme faith. And the woman says, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. I love the fact that the kingdom of God grows and advances and expands one person at a time. And you know, this week, four people in the, in the, in the congregation here have given their lives to Jesus. Four people at a time. It's great news. And I love this because, because our task is simply to show and tell yes. wow. so people can see and hear. Yes. To show and tell, to go like there's no tomorrow and to do so with great confidence in the gospel. Wow. Yes. Yes. Are, you, are you not supremely confident of Jesus? Do you remember the word we received? No, you won't because it was in the leaders gathering on Monday. A word came. The word was, was from Jesus. He said, have you seen me lately? Yeah. 
Have you looked at me lately, says Jesus. Look at me. Have you seen me lately? That was the word of God to us. And when we've seen him, when we've, when we've encountered him, when, we've, when we ourselves have heard him and seen him, when we start to show and tell others, faith is triggered. Stirrings begin in people. There really is a great, vast crowd of ordinary people who are very interested in Jesus. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I find statistics and surveys on church decline. I've got to say, I sort of ignore them. Because it's certainly not the truth. Nor is it our experience. Praise God. The second thing is, however, that however big the crowd... Jesus has time for the individual. I realize some of these things, we've sort of said them already this year as we've looked at Mark's gospel, and and so be it, because that's the recurring story in this gospel. Crowds of people and individuals of interest to Jesus. And when Jairus comes to him and shares his, his, um, his burden, his grief, his concern about his little daughter. I think it's in Luke's gospel, it says um, she was his only daughter. When that happens, Jesus, it says in verse 24, Jesus went with him. Do you know Jairus is one of two people, the other is Bartimaeus, who are named as recipients of of healing and miracle from Jesus. This, This man was somehow known. Certainly, he's known by Jesus in this moment, if not before. He's the synagogue leader. And Jesus goes with him, and and on the way, um, the unnamed woman enters the story. We don't know her name. She's not named. And and, and the plight of these two daughters, Jairus' daughter, and this lady that Jesus later refers to as daughter, the plight of these two females becomes joined And although the other lady is not named, we have no idea really who she was, I love the fact that it says Jesus turned around in the crowd to look for her. And then even when the others put him off and said, well, there's there's, there's, there's dozens of people jostling and and pushing and and, and pressing against you. He said, he doesn't give up. He wants to know, who is it in the crowd who just touched me? I believe that's the heart of God for us this morning. Our lives have become joined. None of us planned it. It's great to meet you, by the way. It's great to know you. I'm glad they are. But none of us planned that. But somewhere in our stories, in our walk with God, in in, in the the route we've been on, the journey we've been taking, we're together here. We've all pressed around Jesus. And we find ourselves sharing, sharing life together. Sharing this faith together, this, this walk with God together. So Jesus looks around to see who in the crowd has touched him and, and he's not put off. And, 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 and in front of him now are Jairus and this woman. You know, they, they, they almost couldn't be more different. One is a ruling man, a leading man in the community, a leading man in the religious community, a leading man in the, in, in the Jewish social community. The other is an impoverished woman. One man is responsible for the synagogue. 
the other woman is excluded from the temple because of her bleeding. She would be regarded as unclean. She'd, she'd be regarded like a leper because of this bleeding. One of them is asking on behalf of his daughter. The other one has nobody to ask on her behalf. I love the way the message brings out the fact. Basically, she's been ripped off by doctors. They've taken her money, and there's no cure. Jairus is not ashamed to make his need known. And he comes to Jesus with this bold, confident faith. There's, there's, another, uh, there's another similar story, isn't there, with the centurion later on, who, who just understands the authority of Jesus. In his case, just say the word. You needn't, you needn't even come, Jesus. Just say the word, she'll be well. But in this case, he's, he's equally confident. Come and lay your hands on her. She will live. The other woman, the other, the other one, the woman is, is, I would say she's even too timid to ask out loud. Plus, she's probably suffered 12 years of feeling on the edge, feeling excluded, feeling the outcast. But both of them have great need. And now their lives and their stories find themselves somehow joined together. I wonder how Jairus felt as he's on the way with Jesus with a degree of urgency because his little daughter, his only daughter is dying. He's got Jesus' attention. Jesus is willing to go with him and on the way, something interrupts them. Every second counts for Jairus. I wonder how he felt as, as Jesus stops to deal with something else, to perform a miracle in, on the way to this other miracle, which of course he believes him, but, but surely the clock must be ticking. It reminds me of dreams I sometimes have. If, I'm, if I've got too much on, I have this recurring dream of um, going to an airport with a check-in time. Uh, well, not going to there because I'm not even packed my bag. The dream came true, actually, last year when I was with, uh, when I was with Andrew. Yeah. No, we packed our bags. But it's one of those dreams where, where sort of we know we've got to get somewhere, but, but for some reason we're not getting there. Do you have those dreams? Is it just me? Yeah, okay. I guess that, that, was, that was Jairus's reality in this moment. On the way, every, every second counted. Hang on, somebody else has come in and sort of jumped the queue on the way to my miracle. But of course... Jesus has everything under control. In the midst of a big crowd, he has time for this individual and this individual and that individual and that individual and all of us as individuals. Let's be those who make our needs known to him, just like Jairus did, just like the woman did ultimately. And to know this, um, you're not bothering him. You see that word? When they come to tell Jairus that actually now the daughter has died, it seems the delay has had an impact. The girl has died. And it says, um, why, uh, he says, um, they say, why bother the teacher anymore? Do you know what? You're not a bother to him. We can feel that sometimes, can't we? Maybe my need is not worthy of his attention. 
Maybe, maybe he's already, uh, he's helped me so many times, maybe I can't go to him with another request. You're not a bother to him. He's willing. He's really willing to go with you and to come to you even this morning. We've said on the boards behind us, gather like you make a difference. You do make a difference. In the gathering, you make a difference. He's interested in individuals in the crowd. So however big the crowd, Jesus has time for the individual. And here's another thing. However long the condition has lasted, there's fresh hope this morning. The woman was getting worse. 12 years, suffering under the doctors, spending all her savings, suffering under the care of many doctors, being treated badly. What should have been happening wasn't happening. She was being taken advantage of. But don't give up just because your situation has been continuing for a while. You've heard this before, but... But, you know, Elijah is the, is t- James tells us, Elijah is our example of a man of prayer faith. And it just tells us, you know, when he prayed, it stopped raining. And then when he prayed again, it began raining. And you know, you know that, it, in, a sense, in a sense, it was that simple, but it didn't quite happen just like that. When you go into the story, he, pr- he sends, the, sends his servant up seven times to check for the rain cloud. But that was no big deal because he knew rain was coming. So he persisted in his prayers until the rain came. Earlier on in Elijah's story, he, he performs the first recorded miracle, a first recorded resurrection. And he stretches himself out over that widow's son and does it three times before the boy comes back to life. So however long the condition has lasted, however long you've been praying, however many times you've prayed, know today there is always hope for us. Don't give up just because you've been in the situation a while. It's never too late. It wasn't too late with Lazarus. It's not too late with Jairus' daughter. He wants us to press through. Which takes me to this next thing. Have a look at verse 28. I'd love to develop this more. We'll just say something today. She said, if I can just touch him, or just touch his clothes, just touch the fringe of his garment, just touch his robes, if I can just touch him. A touch is all it takes. What tremendous faith this woman has, despite all the knockbacks, despite the the faith-sapping, hope-sapping, hope-draining experience she's had for 12 years, as as blood flows out of her, as, I guess, um, optimism flows away, and yet she's heard of Jesus now, and something is freshly ignited in her, and And she's full of faith. If I can just touch him, that's all it's going to take. Just a touch. That's all I need. And she was right. Instantly, instantly her flow of blood ceased. This woman has no money. She has no contact. She has no one to plead her case. She has no no advocate. She has uh, no great confidence. 
uh, in her own voice, perhaps, in being seen or heard in front of the crowd. She's no right to enter the temple, but she has faith in Jesus. And when Jesus touched our lives, when Jesus touches our lives, everything changes, doesn't it? She was an untouchable woman, but she touches Jesus. She was unclean, but she touches the Holy One. And Jesus was completely okay with that. Because he loves to find faith. I wonder when Jesus says to her, Daughter, daughter, your faith has made you... He's obviously referring to her as a daughter of Abraham. I just wonder whether he... Jairus' own words are ringing in his ears a bit. My little girl, my daughter, my precious daughter is dying. Please come and put your hand on her. And, and that sense of Jairus is the father's love for his daughter is also in Jesus' heart. Daughter, I love you like Jairus loves his daughter. And I've got time for you both. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Or in the message, you took a risk of faith and now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed, and be healed of your plague. That's a great pronouncement, isn't it? You're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed, be healed of your plague. I want to encourage you folks, whatever your situation, when, in a few moments we're going to go back into time of worshiping the Lord. Whatever your situation, reach out and touch him today. Yeah. When Jesus touches our lives, it's really powerful and it's really personal. I can't fully explain this, but something goes from him to her. And all, all the versions describe it in different ways. He senses, she knows she's instantly healed. He senses power has gone out of him. The Amplified has it this way, recognizing in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth. I think that kind of summarizes it. There was always power proceeding from Jesus because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit with power to save, heal, deliver, set free, and um, bestow beauty on, on, uh, on people. Power was always proceeding from him. But at this moment, the power that was proceeding from him had gone forth. There's a a moment in this. There's an instant in this. There's an instant in which something transfers from Jesus to her. Isn't that amazing? Her faith literally drew something out of him. And I just want to lift our thinking this morning. He wants us to press in and touch him with faith that will bring something from him to us. He felt her healing as much as she did. You see that? He felt something just as she felt something. I'm not saying it's all about our feelings, but what I am saying is he wants to be so personally involved with you that it's like that. When you're touched, he knows you're touched. It's not sort of mechanical. It's not not automated. Jesus is personally involved with us this morning. 
and the power that is always proceeding from him, this morning, he wants it to go forth in instance to us. Every time we experience a healing, Jesus is personally involved. He doesn't send an angel. He doesn't send an underling. He doesn't have an army of, um, well, he has us, of course, but, but he's personally involved every time. He's not distant, detached, or it's personal. You receive something from him. I love the fact also, if you look at what, what happens before and after this story, Jesus deals with each situation just as it needs. Just before this, he's driven out those 2,000 demons into the pigs, and, um, and he has to deal with that situation in a, in a certain way. Just after this, he goes into his hometown and is rejecting. He can't do any miracles except a few healings. And um, because they, there's a dishonoring of him. And he deals with that situation in the way that requires. But in this story, he's dealing with these two daughters just as they need. He has a powerful touch for us today. And he wants us to receive something from him. Because he wants us to give like we will never run out. That's because he wants us to receive from him from a source that will never run out. Something inexhaustible. Just a couple more things. The next one is this. Jesus wants to touch us totally today, completely, comprehensively. You see, this woman, she says, she, she knew she'd been instantly healed. But look what Jesus says to her. Your faith has made you well. Now, go in peace and be freed from your affliction. See, the physical healing was one thing, but, but there's more. There's peace for her to receive. There's total freedom for her to receive. And we talked about this already this, this year. He always gives us more than we ask for. He always gives us just what we need. And also, he calls her daughter. He reaffirms her as belonging. She's included. She is totally included. couple more things. Fear and faith can't coexist. Look at verse 36 where it says, when Jesus overheard what was said about Jairus' daughter has now died, when he overhears what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, only believe. Wow. Just five words, but there's a lot in there. Don't be afraid, only believe. It's like you can't have both of those things going on at the same time. Um, it's hard to believe if you're afraid. But it's really hard to be afraid if you believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. You can only believe or only be afraid. And Jesus ignores the doubters, he ignores the unbelievers, he ignores those looking only the external things. And he says to the man, don't listen to them, just trust me. I wonder how many times Jesus wants to get our attention. Don't listen to them. Have you seen me lately? Just trust me. Because his, his, his recurring longing is to find faith on the earth, isn't it? Luke 18 says that. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He's looking, he wants to find faith in us. 
It doesn't have to be a lot. Just a grain of mustard seed's enough. But we've got to be those who are not afraid of our situations or our circumstances if they contradict what we know to be true. Did you do the study this week in the groups where we looked at the, where Jesus says, let's cross over to the other side? Yeah? Let's cross over to the other side. It means Jesus has said we're going somewhere. That is where we'll end up. Whatever the storm, the wind and the waves, the squalls, that might affect us. Jesus says we're going to the other side. That's where we're going. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Ultimately, faith, faith, is, um, faith is stirred and provoked and is certainly, uh, certainly grows as we, as we hear the word. But you know, there's something about faith that's a choice as well. That's Jairus' choice at this moment. You can, you can be afraid, Jairus, or you can believe. Which will you do? Good, great question for us, isn't it? I know some of us are facing really challenging times in business, in family life, maybe in health, but let's make a choice this morning. It doesn't mean we have our head in the sand. It doesn't mean we're naive. It doesn't mean we don't even recognize the facts, but we believe the truth, which is above the facts higher than the circumstances, always greater than the situation. Don't be afraid, only believe. In the Amplified, it says this, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, only keep on believing. Faith and fear can't coexist, which is why believers will keep good company. You see what Jesus did? First of all, he said... I don't want to comment too much on his selection of three out of the twelve. But he takes only Peter, James, and John. And then when he gets there, he dismisses everybody except her parents. In other words, he only wants the believers with him. The believing believers. Those that are going to believe with him and believe in him. Those that are going to stand with him and believe as he believes that there's a father in heaven who's going to raise this girl back to life. She wasn't asleep, by the way. She was dead. It's a euphemism. He wants those who, who won't bring any negatives. He wants those who are willing to walk on water. He knows that in people, and he wants those with him who will believe with him. And I would say, folks, if we're going to be those who believe and are not afraid, we will, first of all, we'll encourage each other in that. And you will find you love spending time with believers who speak good things to you, who speak faith to you. Nothing beats being with believers, does it? I was thinking about this the other day. I, I love my friends. I love spending time with, I love being with the men I work with and the ladies I work with. I love being with friends. I love being in the church with you guys because I love the fact that we believe together. We're known for that, you know. We have a reputation as, as being very positive. That's how people would put it, positive. Well, it, is, it is positive to have faith, isn't it? But, but we know it's, it's well-grounded faith. We know it's not, opt, it's not idealism. It's not, you know, um, naivety. We believe the God of the Bible. We believe his word. So let's believe even more. 
Because finally Jesus is Lord of all. <laughs> and he gets to Jairus' house and uh, he's not phased by anything. It, it, it's a similar situation, isn't it, to Lazarus is dead. That's fine, we'll wait another day. Because, you know, whether Lazarus, whether Lazarus had, has it, had his first indication that something was wrong, or whether, whether, whether Lazarus had been deteriorating, whether Lazarus had um, reached the point where he was too weak to stand, whether Lazarus, I can't say this, it's difficult to say that, whether Lazarus had just fallen asleep, whether Lazarus had died, or whether Lazarus had been dead 24 or 48 hours or longer. It made no difference to the Lord of life. The creator of life could bring this dead man back to life. The creator of life is able to restore life. And like, uh, just as Elijah raised the widow's son, just as Elisha raised the Shunammite woman's son, now the Lord of life, is restoring life yes. and showing, them, showing that he came that we might have life in all its fullness because he's already shown he's Lord over nature. He stills the storm. He's already shown he's Lord over, the, over all the spirit world. He's, he's dealt with all the demons. He's already shown that he's Lord over sickness. Now he shows he's Lord over death itself. The one who created you, friends, can restore you this morning. He can restore you to the way he created you. There is restoration here for us today. It's the tale of two daughters. It's the tale of two children of God. The tale of two miracles, two demonstrations of the love and the mercy and the kindness and the grace of Christ. And I believe that um, in these stories are some important expressions of God's heart for us this morning. So we're going to worship the Lord again. I, I really feel stirred, by the way, that um, testimonies this year, as this year proceeds, there will be many testimonies that will be like testimonies within testimonies, stories within stories, because God is doing so much amongst us. We'll be telling a story, and then there'll be a, oh, by the way, on the way to that miracle, guess what happened? And then um, we were just, we were getting a bit closer, and guess what happened? There's a story within a story. Guess what As David was preaching, I was asked to go out, because there was a man who was crippled in pain with his back, and I'll let him testify what's happened to him this morning. Praise God. Hey, hallelujah. Praise God. I could hardly walk, could hardly do this. I was in so much pain just at the back there. Um, woke up this morning, my back didn't feel that great. When I got to church, the spasms just began. And um, I told my wife, just drive me home. I need a water bottle and some pills. And uh, as I was about to leave, Andrew and some of the guys, they got hold of me and they prayed. They do that. And, yeah. and um, 
there's one thing particularly that they prayed and encouraged me to do, which is to confess the, um, the healing. Yes. And in those moments of confessing the healing, I started feeling better. The, just the spasms just went away. So I just want to encourage anyone here who's, um, who's wondering if God can do for you what you want him to do, you need to engage with the process and confess. Once you confess that uh, he's already healed you, you will experience your miracle today. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.